What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. Glad you're joining us today. We have an awesome episode in store for you. But if this is your first time listening, we'll sum it up like this. Life is hard, but we promise it's worth the squeeze. It's about a podcast of getting through your storms and your hard times in order to reach your goals and the success that you desire in life. And joining me today, a good friend of mine. We've we've had some good times together. Nick Gilly in the house. What's up, man? What's up? What's up? Hello, podcast land. How you got? How you feeling today? Man, I feel good. Today's yeah. a good day. It's Friday. I'm happy. Yeah, Friday, almost almost at the weekend, so a lot to celebrate Absolutely. and all that. For the listeners at home or in the car that are paying attention right now who might not know who Nick Gilly is, first and foremost, how do you not know who Nick Gilly is? <laughs> Secondly, why don't you uh, educate them really quick? <laughs> all right, so um, Nick Gilly, of course, first and foremost, you know, a father, a husband, um, but also Base 360 is a general contracting company that I own, and uh, we have Metabolic. It's a, a gym here in downtown Greenville that my wife and I own. Um, we have two other subsidiaries on my contracting company as well, a coatings company that does roofing and also a logistics company that does a little trucking. So That's a lot, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, uh, we're getting after it. I'm pretty sure that didn't all happen at, at once, right? No, no, no. This, this is quite the progression. You had to build up to that, right? <laughs> so I guess let's, let's, uh, let's go back to page one of the story of Nick Gilly from... Davidson, North Carolina. Right. Born and raised. Right. Look at you doing your homework. You know, I do my due diligence. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about, I guess, early life growing up. Uh, what brought you from, from Davidson, North Carolina? What made you choose UNC Charlotte and, uh, and the, the, I guess, the path you ended up studying? Right. What was that like? So, um, like, we, like you said, Davidson, North Carolina. Um, of course, followed the family. My, my dad went and started a construction company. Um, he became part of a, a development company that had construction on the side. So, you know, grew up on job sites. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what was there. So you see so much of the growth in Charlotte now. And this was at the beginning of that. You know, we're, we're talking uh, late 80s, early 90s is when we moved to there. And, um, you know, I was able to watch a city with not much happening, a downtown that was not vibrant, grow from the inside out. Was this Charlotte? Yeah. Nice. This, this was Charlotte. So even though we were living in Davidson, you know that my, my dad's business was all over. So Davidson's a small town, but uh, he was Lake Norman, massive lake, you know, NASCAR country out there. Mm-hmm. And so he, he was the first to do multifamily development on Lake Norman. And, um, you know, really it was, uh, it was the stomping grounds, right? Grew up on the lake, spent my summers on the boats, the jet skis, and uh, we lived a good life. My dad started with nothing, built this huge company, and we were living good, man. Nice. It was good times. So... Um, you know, made, made it through the years, uh, decided to stay close and go to UNC Charlotte. Um, I was at, it's a funny story, I was actually given the opportunity um, to go out of town, out of state to some colleges, or my dad was like, hey, you know, if you want to stay close, I'll buy you a brand new Jeep Grand Cherokee. <laughs> it's like, you can save you an in-state tuition, we'll get you a new Grand Jeep Cherokee. So I was like, yeah, yeah I think I'll take that option. That sounds so, good. So I got a new ride. Um, but no, uh, really, it's, you know, no rain, no rainbows, the hardships, right? Yeah. So it was... Uh, interesting story it's like how much do you want to talk about vulnerability let's let's get after it right so um silver spoon we, we had everything we could possibly need growing up and um one day i had just met my uh, freshman year of college unc charlotte just met my girlfriend now my wife um we were uh, taking her out on the boat i said i have my very own boat it's nice, nice. Dry, dry storage on lake norman and we go out there and um take her two other friends Hey, you mind? Uh, let's get this boat off the lift. Let's get in the water. Let's get after it. Yeah, yeah. They were like, "I'm sorry." The sheriffs came. They uh, they they took the boat, 
two days ago. It's uh, really? <laughs> now been seized. It's like, oh, Dad, uh, let's have a talk. What, what happened? <laughs> what happened? Um, so, you know, it was uh, you know, every business has its up and downs, right? So my dad had a great development company. Um, he had a lot of construction happening, you know, pretty similar price points. Uh, he wasn't diversified, and um, it, the market seized up. You know, it, it dried up for what he was, you know, what he was building, and you know, that's decades of work just gone. Was this 2008 so, that hit everybody, no. or was it oh, prior? No. This this was prior. So wow. Th- this was um, 1998. So 20 20 years, yeah, 10 years prior to that. Um, so 98, 99, um, lost everything. So went to college. You know, it, it's what it was, right? Yeah. My parents they struggled, but I was a freshman in college. We just decided to get after it. You know, was that say, was behind me. Did you feel that effect of of that change? How did you deal with that? Um, well. The entrepreneurial spirit was there, right? Um, well, I mean, we can go ahead and talk about, well, the 2008 had, you know, the circumstances for it was a lot in the mortgage crisis, right? I have a good, you know, story to how crazy it was to be able to get mortgages. So this was 1999. I was 19 years old. I had $5,000 I'd worked up and saved. And um, no credit history, no credit cards, no nothing. So there was a new condo being built right beside UNC Charlotte. I went to a bank and said, is there any way I can buy this brand new condo closest uh, residence you know, next to the college? It's like $5,000 down. They're like, absolutely, let's sign you up. So Beautiful. Was, I was able to get like $120,000 mortgage. Uh, or Yeah, $120,000. Know, bought the condo. My mortgage payment was uh, $707 a month. It was huh. three-bedroom. I had... I, I had I had two roommates that paid three hundred and fifty dollars a month. So from my freshman year of college all the way to I graduated, I paid seven dollars a month to live. Wow! So you know it was like, how do you maintain that? It's like, yeah, you know, I wasn't worried about that. I studied hard. You know, we got student loans that paid for the tuition, but I also had jobs. Like we, I was very lucky to get great jobs early on. Um, you know, started out at some restaurants where we were late nights making two three hundred dollars a night. In college, it's good money, right? Really good money. And then, uh, you know, I left and was able to go to a valet company where I spent three or four years. And within two months of working there, they made me a manager. I don't know why. But I was working the nicest restaurants in Charlotte, just driving the nicest cars, making loot. Yeah. And um, studying hard. You know, it was uh, at the time I was studying finance and entrepreneurship. So I double majored at UNC Charlotte, knowing that I wanted to learn the movement of money. Yeah. Wanted to learn from my father's faults, you know, how he lost his business was not managing the money right. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and, and learning how financial markets work, learning diversity, you know, like 101. To be diverse, don't have all your eggs in one basket. It's you funny because listening to, to when you said, you said that you were lucky enough to have a bunch of jobs to make money, I think it wasn't luck. I think that was work ethic. Right. You know, I mean, you're talking about double majoring, working multiple jobs. You're making money. You're also using your your street smarts and also the business smarts that you've learned growing up to kind of give yourself this, I guess, this environment of growth and this environment of really financial wellness. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily luck. There is some luck that falls into it, I'm sure. But you talk about working late late nights and working your way up to be a manager. I think that's hard work, man. And that's just kind of getting after it, like you said. And. Actually, you know, in the interviews that I do now, when I interview people, it's I ask that question, you know, do you consider yourself lucky? I, I 
inherently believe what you're saying. I don't think there is luck. You mm-hmm. know, there's work ethic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, your path is completely created by your efforts. So you say that in your mind, you're like, you know, I'm lucky, you know, but you know, in, in all honesty, you're exactly right. You know, was, it's, it's putting in the hours, putting in the effort, yeah. making smart decisions. Yeah. Preparation. Yeah. I say the harder I work, the luckier I get. <laughs> and it's, it's the very, it's the truth right there. And, um, you know, that's one thing that we've always done. I've just worked, worked really hard and, you know, I'm, I'm really good about learning from my mistakes make mistakes all the time Mm -hmm. i've made some really bad decisions but it's my motto never make the same mistake twice and sometimes you know things happen but if you just if you take you know life series of events take those mistakes just don't let that stuff happen again you're making a great path for yourself and so yeah i do i do never never take the same l yeah, yeah. yeah we have lessons. Yeah. yeah, those are those are lessons. They're not losses. Yeah, never you have take to the same the things you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, because I mean, your current situation is based on all your past mistakes and successes. Mm-hmm. So if you increase the successes and reduce the mistakes, it, and it goes it goes go. a lot with like taking taking ownership in your future and knowing that you have control of what I guess your destiny is. Mm-hmm. As far as preparing for that, knowing that everything that happens to you is your fault, so to say, yeah. you could have prepared a little differently to prevent that. Knowing that you can, you can kind of dive forward. I feel like a little bit, a little bit harder or whatever it may be. Keep so, progressing. Yeah. Keep progressing. Yeah. yeah. All four. All, All four. four. <laughs> <laughs> Inside joke. <laughs> so going through school, and I guess as you're you're coming towards junior senior year and and i guess getting ready to transition into the real world what were those next few years like well it was um i I didn't think i was getting in construction you know it was like that's why i I did the finance you know i thought about the finance sector the sector and then i loved entrepreneurship you know of all the financial classes everything else i took really would grab me was entrepreneurship i just i loved it i loved my teachers it was just creative a creative spirit and that's one thing that you know i've always had for myself i'm let's say i'm artistic but extremely creative in the mindset of creation. So taking, you know, an idea, a concept, and, you know, streamlining it to make it a reality. So um, it brought me back to construction. There you, you know? go. Yeah. You know? it, it was, like I say, I, I didn't really have sand piles I, I played in as a kid. It was sawdust piles. It was on job sites. Um, so it, it was in me. It's in my blood. So I, I knew I was going to get back into construction and uh, it was just calling me out there you know just like you know back there the angel on your shoulder this is what you need to be doing so um i looked at charlotte i looked at this growth and we just kind of looked at the map i said i don't want to be one of the millions in charlotte where can we go with an up-and-coming city uh sarah and i was like well actually with my dad he was like hey let's go look at greenville he's like i've driven through there a few times he's like, i think it'd be a great area for y'all to check out so sarah and i just came down here for a weekend and we fell in love with the city. This was uh, 2003, and um, you know, within a few months, we just moved down here. Didn't know anybody. Yeah. Didn't have a job. We just moved here, um, and I knew started my construction company, and it was quickly, you know, got some renovations. Uh, I had a couple of companies. One, you know, I, I brought my dad, you know, kind of reeled him in back out of his semi-retirement, you know, <laughs> back out there, and saying I wanted to do some development. Um, you know, I thought I could come out there. Know is this new kid on the block, ultra energy efficient? Like I'm going to be the greenest builder there is out there. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I wanted to have my own company, you know, and I started Base 360, which was a small side job. Base 360 bringing the home full circle, you know, renovations. 
small renovations. And then we'd had a development company, which was TRV Development at the time. Um, and I came up with the concept. I was able to um, talk, find some land downtown, find the owner to subordinate land to us, which means gives you land. He becomes part of the development team, Beautiful. but gives you land. And that's equity to the bank. And you uh, developed a, a concept. This is a neighborhood called the Elements. It's was in the North Main area. Was all that an easy process or oh, was no? No, no <laughs> yeah. man. There, there's nothing easy about that at yeah. all. You know, but um, it's, I just, I just dove in. You know, there was really, I watched people do it my whole life. I read about it. I learned about it. And then it was just, let's go, let's go all in. Um, so started this project uh, 2007 when we started it. It was right 2008, 2009 when it was fully off the ground. We'd had some construction done, and um, you know, we were getting to building three on the project, which was a condo building. And all, all it's like I said, this was you know a very ultra efficient community. It was um, you know the building science at its finest. You know, it was like modular construction, like homes built in a factory with individual panels brought in. So we were trying to decrease waste, you know, trying to keep it local, you know, all sustainable products. Was that in demand at the time? Did you notice that was in demand or were you kind of just... Yeah, it really wasn't. (laughs) Um, You know, people love the idea of being green, you know, Mm -hmm. the concept of decreasing, you know, their impact on earth. When it comes down to their their pocketbook, like, I love the idea, but I don't need it to cost more. If it's costing more, I'm okay with, you know, the way people are doing things, you know, it's... You know, the end products, a little different materials, but it looks the same. Yeah. It's just your environmental impact's less in this one, and it costs more. Yeah. So when it comes down to it in Greenville, South Carolina, you know, people like the idea. I learned a lot. Um, but, you know, with the how far we were trying to push green building, there was there wasn't a market for it. Mm-hmm. So, so we were able to rein it back in. Um, we were able to find ways in construction that, you know, were very much cost-effective, it's pretty much very similar to what everybody else is doing, but just smarter. You know, how, how important was it for you to kind of adjust in real time while you're like while you're pushing all forward towards towards going green, and you realize okay, the market's still asking for this. What was that adjustment like? Well, we we built some stuff and we didn't make any money on it, and like, let's reassess. Yeah. You know? So it's the next one. You know, you're doing like kind of built like four units at a time like a building at a time like okay uh, this one didn't work let's, mm-hmm. let's dial it back let's go back and save some money on cost of construction and so you know it happens pretty fast you know you're able to you know at that linear nature of a business moving forward able to chop it up well okay let, let's decrease cost here let's still say we're green back it off some to make sure that we're still able to sell homes and make profit this is for profit business <laughs> so you know it's of course it'd be great if everybody you know was just after protecting the environment at all costs, no matter what it costs, I mean, I should say, but no. So we dialed it back, and but at the same time, we're figuring all that out. Here comes 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had a condo building, and I don't know how many people know that at the time, but condo buildings were the reason for the crash, right? So it was, uh, you know, Florida, California, so many massive condo buildings went up and they didn't sell. So they had these huge shells, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of residential units in the U.S. just stopped selling. And um, that was what caused the economy to crash. And, of course, I had a condo building. Of course, all banks seized up. We're not lending to any more condos. It's like, well, let's assess the situation. But, you know, I don't know, Ted, how far you want to dive into my rabbit hole here. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get in it. (laughs) So at that time, we were doing all this in Greenville. I was asked to be a development partner for another company. And uh, it was based out of Atlanta. So it was kind of this all-encompassing 
uh, all-in-one development team where you had a lawyer who was the president, we had an engineer, had an architect, we had a land designer, we had two construction partners, my father and I, um, and we kind of, it was in a tax credit syndicate. So its focus was on historic restoration. Right now we're sitting in this beautiful building. You know, this is a prime example of what historic restoration can do. Yeah. Tax Anybody credits. Right? watching, this is an old mill, an old textile mill that they turned into an apartment complex. And we, we kind of had the setup. If anybody's watching on YouTube, we have the gym behind you. And we have the brick kind of given the whole contrast of gym owner and contracting. I hope you appreciate the scenery. I, it's perfect for me, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. This is what we do. You know, once we make it to the end over here, and I can tell you what we're after right now, it's this, you know, salvaging these structures. And how I became to love these structures was this company that I became part of. And it was mostly based out of South Georgia. Um, so it was, we were finding smaller towns that have amazing old buildings that are historic, historic buildings 50 years old or older. And um, they didn't have anything to do with them. And they would give them to people if they found a use. So developed this development team to come in and we were traveling I was building here in Rainbow but I was traveling all throughout Georgia you know assessing these buildings you know we were doing forensic forensic construction science right we were going through them finding you know what's wrong with them and if they can be uh, used again well we found one in uh, Thomasville Georgia and it was great building center of downtown this uh, Thomasville's about 30 miles north of Tallahassee and it's old plantation money down there so it's tons of money down there hunting grounds and everything you know really nice town um, the economy was good prior to the crash, but yeah. you know we had this building that was built right into the downturn, and then here comes 2008, 2009. What do we have? We have 30 more condos down there. I have a few condos here in Greenville. There's no more condo lending at all. So mm-hmm. we had a lot, you know, outstanding right when it hits. So no rain, no rainbows. This, this, that, this was a storm. That's the storm. So the storm hit. And um, so the project in South Georgia, that foreclosed, bank took it over, boom, massive amounts of you know, cre- like credit debt now. You know? yeah. So those banks, they're after you. You're signing personal liabilities. If you're a developer, you know, you're, you, they want your name on it. So, so You have your head on the, <laughs> yeah. on the spigot pretty much. That's right. That's right. Um, I was not in control of that company. I provided solutions that we could have tried to salvage it, and they didn't want to listen to it. You know, I was the young guy. I was with a bunch of old people in the group, and they were like, no, we can, we can make this happen. We can sell these units. We'll be all right. But they didn't get sold. For my project in Greenville, I was like, let's, let's adapt. Let's react to the environment. I can't sell condos. Let's just rent condos. Let's just get through the storm. Let's rent them. And that's what I tried to do in South Georgia. It, it didn't happen, but you know, here for the elements in Greenville, the bank didn't take it over. We got rent- renters in there. We covered the mortgage payment. Beautiful. We just let it ride. I love what you just said there. Let's just get through the storm. Yeah. Because anybody that's listening, I think that's the, the main important thing really about this podcast is getting through the storm. Right. Because they're going to hit. They're going to you, you, you said it at the beginning. Businesses are all about ups and downs. And you, you got the storm and you said, okay, let's sit with the stand and right. open up this umbrella and hold on. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what it was. You know, it's uh, you go through this time and, you know, Wiffs was uh, – you know, my wife, 2009, my son was born. So we're, we're just now bringing our, our first child in, you know, and we have projects that are foreclosed. We, you know, it's a terrible time in the economy. Um, you know, we were adapting. I was trying to do all this new construction. There was no more lending going on. Mm-hmm. So you react, you adapt. Um, we just started renovations again. So even though people aren't building new homes anywhere, let's just go back to the beginning back to where base 360 was and let's just go into people's homes let's renovate kitchens let's do bathrooms let's do whatever we can 
and um, just me and one other guy, you know, tool belts on, you know, we would just get after it. Um, was that so, a huge scale? I mean, that sounded like it was a huge scale back from everything you were doing. Of course. Doing. Massive. You know? Massive scale back. Going back um, to the fundamentals and pretty much the roots of where you started. And, you know, it, this is a decade ago, and people still remember how bad it was, but they forget very quickly as well. Like, it, it was a really bad time yeah. for everybody. Yeah. It was worse for the guys in construction. You know, the whole crash happened because of mortgage crisis and mortgage is based on construction and people building. So the whole industry tank. And you were on the front lines of that pretty yeah. much. And I mean, we lost 60, 70% of construction companies, you know, folded at that time. There was no work, no business. Yeah. So it was, you know, three, four years of very little happening. What does that do to, I kind of want to get to like the feeling behind this whole time, right? Like what does that do to one's, one's pride because I think it's easy to, to build something and, and you're moving your groove and you're building these huge condos you're, you're multi-units and then you're back to tool belt and someone's home renovating a bathroom kind of back to it like what does that do to to you, like your confidence uh, I mean it's, it's a great question and I think that the answer is different for every individual mm-hmm. for me I love the creation. I love working with my hands. I got my tool belt on. I'm building something for this person who's really happy with it. And, you know, it's humbling. Um, but at the same time, I, I've seen failure in my life. Mm-hmm. I've read a lot about failure. I've seen so many success stories that started with failure. So I, I never took it to heart. My wife, who wants, you know, women want that level of comfort. You know, the hardest part is me knowing that I'm going to get an effort. I'm going to work. No matter what it is, I'm going to get out and I'm going to work and make it better. I'm going to make money for my family. You know, we're going to be fine. Like, I I can make this happen. Done it my whole life. I believe in myself and I can do it. You know, but you have that other side. Like, I'm really worried about my my family's security, you know, Mm -hmm. from coming from my wife. And it was like, why don't you go out and get a job with a corporation and don't work for yourself? And, um, you know, it, at that time I was, she, she, I went and put my resume out there. I was being interviewed by, you know, some of the biggest construction companies in Greenville. And, you know, I, I had the job offer once and I said, I, I can't do it. I can't sign the paper. I, this is not me. Yeah. I'm, I'm not this guy to go work for this corporation. I believe in myself. And you know, that was hard. It was really hard times for the family. You know, it's just, my wife wants security. Me being on my own, you know, having my own company out there. It's only me that can provide, you know, it's, that's not secure. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, you, you fight through those times and you know it was I, I believed myself and I knew that I could weather the storm yeah. and make it happen and we did we powered through it um, you know times turned around construction happened more and I was uh, because of um, you know some of the projects that I built prior to the downturn it got me a great gig with a developer um, so Acadia is a neighborhood just south of uh, the hospital and it's beautiful homes. And um, I kind of partnered with a developer. And for the next seven, eight years, I built you know, four to $900,000 homes and really learned mm-hmm. that much more about construction. And it wasn't a corporate job, but it was also a lot safer. You know, it was like I was with a developer, with a community that was growing. So I kind of found that, that safety nest yeah. that she was wanting but you know i wasn't out chasing jobs everywhere yeah you know i was having got the jobs that were given to us some consistency know, so. and some comfort but yeah. still on your own pretty much oh yeah 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 that's wonderful i love hearing all that because you know kind of unpacking your story nick and and translating it for some viewers for for some cliff notes to take away is the fact of the matter is when the storm hit you were ready to ride it out right you're ready to get through it 
And also, as the storm kind of passed, the work you did prior and the reputation you had and the base you put in is kind of what gave you the opportunity and really the foundation to kind of go forth after the storm passed to, to really thrive and succeed. Mm-hmm. So I love the fact that you kind of like withstood and, and made it through, really made it through the hard times, made it through the storm. And, and I know what the pressure, I, I'm not going to say I know what the pressure is like yet of having the family behind you, like, what are we going to do? You got this. Right. But I do know the, the belief in oneself and knowing if you're going to bet on somebody, might as well bet on yourself. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the one sure bet. I know that I can get out there and I can provide. Yeah. It's, it's work ethic, right? And I, I did it from very early on. In, no matter what the job was. I mean, if I was back to valet parking cars, you know, here in Greenville. I, I knew I could provide. Where's know? that belief come from? Do you think you always had that, or was it just from a track record of making it work? Um, you know, that's another great question, Ted. You know, it's, I, I see so many people, you know, of course millennials out there. You know, you, you guys have a bad rep in, in today's, you know, older gentleman society because that work ethic's not there. Um, you know, I, I wonder if it's from parenting, you know, and I look back and my, my parents, I, my parents were great. Um, no complaints at all, but I wasn't pushed as a kid to succeed. They didn't push me in any direction whatsoever. Um, I, I really think internally it's, it's really just genetics, man. Yeah. I mean, it can be learned, it can be taught, but I, I have no reason to have a crazy work ethic other than the desire to succeed. Yeah. Um, you know, part of it maybe was being able to grow up and see what it's like to have, you know, riches and, you know, the silver spoon. I had a freaking basketball court in my room as a 13-year-old kid. Yeah. I'm, I'm not kidding. It was a basketball court. Lived in a great house. And then <laughs> the house was foreclosed, right? It was all taken away because of some bad decisions um, and some, you know, economic circumstances. But, you know, if we make it if we have time to make it into my existing business you can see yeah. like I, I have a diverse amount of you know companies right now that, that hopefully can withstand the, the downturn yeah so all of that let's hop into that all right yeah yeah we got time this is this is a very loose format type of show so you know we can sit here for a few hours if you want i don't know if the listeners will stay that long <laughs> god help you if you do get out there and work don't sit here and listen to me yeah. but let's talk about the the sunshines and i guess the things you've enjoyed since 2008 and really after that foundation started to bear fruit where'd you head um so the construction you know stays in the construction realm um i knew that i was getting burnt out on custom homes um the pinterest pages of these these wives and their expectations of what they wanted and what they could afford i I realized that you know that was just never going to mash up um, so I, I got burnt out on the custom front. I was like, it's time for me to part ways. You know, I built about 50 homes in that community, and um, I was good. I was ready to move on. So I was like, let's, let's go bigger. Let's take this company to the next step. Let's go commercial route. So I got my full general contracting license, unlimited general contractor, and um, so let's see where we can go from here with it. And um, it was did some small jobs for some big clients, Hell, I think really what propelled us is I built a lactation room for the number one architect in Greenville. What's and a lactation room? A lactation room, right. So um, they had like eight pregnant women on staff. I mean, we're talking about an architecture firm that has 130 architects on staff. And they had eight pregnant women. And by law, now, if you have X amount of pregnant people, you have to provide a lactation room for hmm. these women to get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we're talking like this little cubby under the stairs. We built a lactation room for these clients. 
and they liked us. Um, they liked me. They liked my team. And uh, shortly after that, we were interviewing for which is now Gather GVL, um, a downtown Greenville, 13 restaurants, 21 shipping containers, you know, right in the heart of what is now becoming the new developed Greenville uh, on Augusta Street, right nice. in Augusta, Maine. Um, so doing some small jobs for some big people propelled us into that. From that, Gather GVL, you know, we've kind of just taken it um, at the same front, kind of backing up a little bit. You know, we had a historic building that we found seven years ago when it was the area was not regentrified yet at all. I think that we can put 60 apartments in this building. And um, it took us, you know, again, more rain. It took seven years because there was rain <laughs> in that. Um, four years into that project, we're, we're talking about $12 million project. It's big. Biggest project in my career still to date uh, we're working on. We were two weeks away from closing and starting construction on it. And the building, again, was subordinated to us. The guy who owned the building gave the building into the agreement. So huge part of that deal. It was November 2016, and uh, there was a fire that night. Some vagrants, people were staying in the building, set a fire in it, and within 24-hour period, the guy who supported the building to us died. So oh, wow. not only did we lose 20% of the building in the fire, but the main credit partner passed away. Wow. So you know, we thought the project was shot. Going back, saying we're about to start renovations again. You know, this was – we had put – everything you know in the company getting ready to start this huge project for us so it took another three years perseverance uh, you know, we had to get the, the whole project out of um you know um sorry i'm trying to think what it's called when somebody passes away and they're you know however it is you know yeah. there's a lot of the, the tax side that we had to work through it took three years later and we finally got to 2018 where we started construction on it um is the base 360 side goes, you know, it's really where you start small, you keep after it, you have some breaks that the hard work provides, you know, do some jobs for some important people, and you find the realm that you're now all of a sudden, you know, a company that's 10 times the size it was two years ago, which, yeah. which we are. Right Congrats, now. man. Thank <laughs> you. But then it comes to diversification. That sounds like, you know, we're only doing this one thing. Um, we have the gym. So, like we said, we, uh, Matabolic Greenville is an interval fitness training facility nice. in downtown Greenville. And um, how we got into that was it was an upfit I did on the construction side. So I built the place for the uh, the founders of Matabolic out of Charlotte, and it was a corporate store for them. And so in my upfit, I built in a lifetime membership for my wife and I. And beautiful, you know, it was we were in the we were in the fitness realm. You know, it was I was a soccer player in high school and intramurals in college, and my wife has always been very active, but. By no means did we consider ourselves fitness professionals. So, Metabolic, we fell in love with the program. You know, to be able to go in and have cutting edge you know, movement science at its finest every day, we loved it. Loved yeah. the people in it. And uh, it was about two years old, and the founders who owned the store, they were like, we don't have any local ownership in Greenville. It's like, we, we need somebody that's a face of the business that could take it to the next level. I said, do you guys want to buy it? So, we bought a small ownership interest in it just to see if it's something we could fit in. And uh, very quickly, we, we like this. This is a happy place. I think Ted, it is a happy place. Ted, Ted's there. <laughs> I, quite can, I can Andre, that. Andre's <laughs> not there, but Ted is. Um. Actually, Andre worked out <laughs> one time, and I don't think you were there. Did he tell you about this? Uh. It's the last workout, and he disappears. <laughs> and he went to the bathroom because he had to throw up. 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. But <laughs> sounds sounds like me. Yeah, but kudos to Andre because he came back after throwing up. We were all done. And he went back to the machine. He's like, I gotta finish. I gotta finish. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he's an athlete. He knows, he knows to, how it yeah, works. I was about to say, similar to college, you know, they let you throw up, and then it's like, exactly. You finish that, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're not done. So, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna finish it. I, yeah. we, we had all that too in soccer. I remember Hell Week, the first week of soccer, and it was just brutal. You, yeah. They would just run you to death. Throwing up was part of it. You just throw up, keep on going. I will say that about metabolic, what I like about it. Not, I mean, I've never thrown up metabolic. Not I, I'm it. not either. No. I'm not. I don't want to. But Andre's only one in the room. It's, it's one of those things that, I mean, I played football in high school, volleyball in college, and flag football after. Always wanted to be athletic and being part of a team. And metabolic for me is, I don't know what I'm training for. Sometimes I feel like I'm training for a life. fight. Sometimes it's I'm life, training man. for a game. We're and, training for and, life. And it's just, you know, the people in there, and especially on anaerobic days when you're like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this for another 30 seconds? And some random person is like, starts clapping, saying, let's go, and you just get hyped. It, it has that team atmosphere to it. Which right. You, you can't really you can't replicate that anywhere else. I, the community is fantastic. I yeah. love every single person that's there, and that, that's what got us there. You know? nice. I, I, I think a lot of it is uh, we're not a competitive environment, so you don't have these big egos that you have in a lot of other gym facilities. The fact that we're, we're not tracking you, we're not pushing you on reps, you know, you get in there and you, you and me are getting after it. We want to see each other push a little bit harder. Yeah. But, you know, as the business, as the model, as the coaches, all we care about is your form. We want you to do it right. And we want you to look perfect doing it. And so, you know, that model I love because I think you lose the ego that so many gyms have. And I think it's a huge stereotype that people see as well. You know, they see how it's, it gets pretty intense in there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, we, don't, we don't have the egos. Yeah. You know, there's nobody competing against you. And the only person watching you is your coach. Yeah. And that's their job to watch you is make sure you're on point. I'm in too much pain to watch anybody else. Exactly. <laughs> like, you just want like make sure I breathe one more second. Like, yeah. Keep breathing. What's that clock say? <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was, it was something that we found that we loved and it was passion. Mm-hmm. And it's not construction. So let's, let's take on a business that, you know, let's, construction goes to hell in a handbasket. Let's at least have something we can go do that we know is going to make some money unless we go run a gym. And you enjoy it too. And we love, we love it. And, uh, you know, the construction realm is hard. You know, most of the time is, is the owner of the company, my phone rings when there's problems, right? So mm-hmm. I, I, the problem solver, that's my job, I'm good at it. Put out fires? Put out fires, put out fires. But um, when I go to that gym, it, there's, there's, there's no problems. Mm-hmm. Everybody's happy, there's endorphins. And so and that's, that's the getaway. You know, yeah. it's like we can break free, we can, you know, get the body happy and make it feel good, get those endorphins flowing and see smiling faces. Just like you said. Yeah, I, I try. I try. So what are so what are the rainbows you're chasing now? What's what's the plan? What's the goals for for Nick Gillian Co. Family, companies, everything. Yeah, um, you know, it was my dream as a kid to build skyscrapers, mm-hmm. and I backed off on that dream for a while because I was thinking that that's that's a whole lot of effort. That's a lot of stress to build skyscrapers. Um. But I've gotten back into it, and um, yes. I, I, I've, I've kind of embraced the effort, the desire. And, you know, Ted, it's, I, I love having my fingerprint on an, our town, our community, you know, what we're doing out there. You know, right now with Gather GBL, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be hundreds of thousands of people that go through there a year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a hub. You know, it's a modern-day food hall. And it's like, we built this place. You yeah. know, it's, it's, we don't own it. We're GC on it. This developer's idea is concept, but we the reason that project came together is myself and my team, Carl Jones, project manager that has broken his back to make that happen, and that's going to change you know the face of 
Augusta Street in Greenville. It's yeah. nothing big, but it's something. It's a start. That we're going to make an impact on people's lives. You know, um, I'm going to ask and, something of you. What's that? I'm going to ha- I'm going to have you you know lean into the mic and make the statement that you're going to build a skyscraper right here on No Rain No Rainbows podcast. Speak it into existence. Ted, we're going big. We're going to build some skyscrapers. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you made the eye contact for that too. <laughs> And the folks at home or in the car, they heard it also. Right, <laughs> right. We're going big. You're on your way. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're taking this company. It's pretty great places right now. So I got a great team together that's, that's doing fantastic, and these jobs are right in front of us right now. So Yeah. I'm excited for it. What lasting advice would you want somebody listening right now, whether they're looking to get into the construction world, whether they're kind of just trying to figure out what they're doing through college, or maybe they're looking for that kick in the butt to – to get that work ethic going, uh, what would you what would you tell them right now to to turn their life around, help them weather the storm? Um, the best advice I feel like I can give individuals out there is to the only person that's going to help yourself is yourself. Um, I see so much uh, with people looking outside, and you know I'm talking about looking outside for advice for people, outside for that assistance for people, and by no means do I mean this in any way but even religion for a lot has somebody looking for outside assistance but if we can kind of turn that back around and look internally that you were the one responsible for your actions you were the one responsible for getting up every morning for grinding out making your decisions using your mind to make your life the best it can be so perseverance and internally you were the one responsible for your life Don't, don't ask anybody else yeah, just take ownership yeah, of it. Take ownership. Take ownership. Andre, any parting words? It's not over, brother. It's not over, brother. <laughs> not over, brother. <laughs> all We're all forward, for it. Baby. All forward. <laughs> Guys, thanks for listening. If you made it to the end of the episode, uh, I think there was a lot of value to unpack here. But weather the storm, make it through it, and rely on that work ethic because that's what's going to get you through. And the work that you put in, that that's the foundation for your future success. So, so don't really – don't do anything halfway. Go 100%. We've said all forward a bunch of times. That's an inside joke, but I think you could decipher exactly what it means. It means keep pushing on, get through the storm. And as we always say, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain. But you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow. All right. Thank you, Ted. Thank you, Andre.